You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hattenmaker coming to you from the Comancheria, a slap-free zone. No whiny millionaires in sight. Hey, today let's talk about uh, a little bit of knife fighting. Uh, we're not going to talk to any tactics, but let's get into a mindset. We're going to talk some Plains Warrior knife prowess, because on our Raw Black Box program, we're going to be delving mighty deep into some uh, uh, Comanche knife work. So uh, let, let's try and get our heads wrapped around what the differences are. And what's going on here? Let's first let's talk about subsistence living for a moment of a nomadic people, a people, a culture that squeezes every bit of nourishment from resources, be the organic or inorganic. Uh, we're going to start with one our organic example, our organic resource, the buffalo, which was uh, probably the primary commodity and resource on on the plains, not just for Comanche, for many of the plains warriors. Was it a food source? Of course it was. A clothing source, indeed. Shelter source, yep. Tool source, again, yes. Ceremonial source of spiritual anchoring, again, that's an affirmative. All right, now let's go through a brief inventory. Very brief, uh, as a matter of fact, of the uses of a single buffalo. This could include the obvious meat protein source, right? Other aspects of the animal that were not ignored for sustenance were the heart, liver, intestines, kidneys, bones, marrow, tongue. Some drank the liquid squeeze from the gallbladder. Amongst Comanche, it was considered a treat for children to open the stomach of a buffalo calf and drink the curdled milk from the contents found within. Mm -mm. The uh, skin could be tanned into the rawhide or parflesh. This could be hair on for warming or scrape free of hair for shelter covers and other uses. The brains were used to aid in tanning the rawhide or parflesh. Bones were used for a staggering variety variety of tools. I mean, the leg bones can be broken into scrapers, shoulders into hose, other bones splintered to make needles and awls for working the rawhide and parflesh. Sinew was an ample fund of rope. Various parts of the animal could be boiled into glue. Horns could be used decoratively or for ceremony or to make bowls cups, ladles, powder horns. The stomach was used as a water carrier. It was waterproof and it was was hardy enough of a method that you could uh, boil water and you could actually dig out of ground and get your water in this uh, this stomach bladder, put it down, heat your stones and put it down there around and gradually bring this to a boil. It's actually ingenious when you get down to it. Uh, uh, Also, since a ruminant stomach, the buffalo being a ruminant, is four-chambered, this can also be sectioned into other tool uses such as cups, pots, and other waterproof transporting tools. The tail could be used as a fly swatter. The teeth and small bones of the bones of the hoof could be carved into knuckle bones, uh, another forms of dye or dyes for, uh, for gaming and gambling. Now, there are more applications than that, but this just kind of gives you an idea of how resourceful people are, how many things, uses they found with this single organic source. Creativity and necessity pushes uh, the boundaries of assumed utility. Now, let us look to an eyewitness account of a Lakota buffalo hunt witnessed by Francis Parkman during his tour across the plains. Or no, he was there. This is eyes on. This is not hearsay. And trust me, we'll get to these staggeringly creative plains knife ways in a moment, but stick with me a little further here. Be advised, uh, the extract that I'm getting ready to uh, relate to you, read to you, is uh, of its time, and his use of descriptors is no longer PC and palatable. So again, please don't slap me. Quote, 
Many of the Indians rode at full gallop toward the spot. We followed at a more moderate pace and soon saw the bull lying dead on the side of the hill. The Indians were gathered around him and several knives were already at work. These little instruments were plied with such wonderful address that the twisted sinews were cut apart, the ponderous bones fell asunder as if by magic, and in a moment the vast carcass was reduced to a heap of bloody ruins. The surrounding group of savages offered no very attractive spectacle to a civilized eye. Some were cracked the huge thigh bones and devouring the marrow within. Others were cutting away pieces of the liver and others, uh, other approved morsels and swallowing them on the spot with the appetite of wolves. The faces of most of them besmeared with blood from ear to ear looked grim and horrible enough. My friend the white shield proffered me a marrow bone so skillfully laid open that all the rich substance within was exposed at once. All right, end of uh, that passage there. So unquote. If you'd like to read it for yourself or read the entire account, I mean, it's in Francis Parkman's uh, The Oregon Trail. Masterful uh, eyewitness thing moving along years. Some people will be appalled at some of the uses of the language and the observations. But again, well, brothers and sisters, this is reality. This is what they saw and it is of its time. And if we are appalled by realities and what happens out there, well, I'd say you got to get out there and get a little begrimed a bit and find out what life's all about. Now, back to that passage, I want to call your attention to this phrase, quote, several knives were already at work. These little instruments were plied with such wonderful address that the twisted sinews were cut apart. The ponderous bones fell asunder as if by magic. And in a moment, the vast carcass was reduced to a heap of bloody ruins, unquote. Now, this telling observation of facile use of little instruments calls attention to the fact that often the plains inhabitants were either using made knives, that is, blades of stone or bone, or trade knives, that is, knives bartered for from Anglos going west. Now, we've got so much in the historical record, either pe uh, people's first-hand accounts of what the blades looked like they were using, or you actually see the ones that were excavated and dug up, or the ones that had been passed down generation to generation. These blades were considered subpar and only suitable for trade, with, again, Parkman's words, savages. All right, if you see these blades, you handle any of them, you can take a look at this. This is far from, we can now walk into your local Walmart and buy a, a, a fixed blade or a tactical folder that is far superior to what was being used at the time. Parkman's account and many, many others help echo this observation that much facile ability is made with blades which are considered not up to snuff, all right? So often, we, uh, often we've heard we, uh, the, the phrase of uh, gear over grid is often. We often pursue something uh, shiny or new, and we think that's going to provide the bestness in the skill. Often the skill is actually in the user, right? So uh, Parkman, Francis Parkman himself, he had seen able long hunters and mountain men with their usual three-knife rig, you know, the usual the belt knife, leg knife, and patch knife, and these were all good knives, and he'd seen them uh, use, uh, take apart a buffalo, and he remarks that they <laughs> see nothing, nothing done like this. He had seen skilled men perform the same field dressing a buffalo with so-called better tools, others along the wagon train. Uh, there were some later, uh, uh, later on in other wagon trains who uh, would come from what we would later on kind of uh, wind up calling the Chicago way of skilled butchery, because you know, Chicago wound up being uh, the, the waypoint, one of the some master butchery skills came out of there, where it was like an assembly line of human beings moving through and getting these things uh, done lickety-split and skillfully, and still many of these people saw that they'll tout the ability and the speed of these tribes with lesser tools. Now, what we witnessed with Plains knife work is akin to the complete and utter creativity and utility that was put into the buffalo itself. 
you take the resources you have. I mean, whether it was just the buffalo and you, you get as many things out of as you can, or you take the resources you have, this plains knife, and you find every possible manifestation of use, even with what many would people consider a lesser tool. And not only is it uh, uh, use, manifestation of use, they do it so skillfully for things to seem fall apart before your hands. It's like if you've ever tried to carve a turkey on your own and then uh, and you're not good at it, and then you see someone who's quite good at it. Or better yet, here's an experiment. I don't recommend it for everyone, for it's not the queasy. If you're wondering what's real true knife separation work, be with someone who field dresses beautifully in the field after a hunting trip, or actually take yourself on a tour of a local slaughterhouse. If you've got these so-called guts to see where your meal comes from, go in and watch how ably some things are taken apart. Uh, there, there's a good deal of skill to uh, craftsmen everywhere. Again, we're going back to people with lesser tools doing this so quickly, remarkably quickly, ably quickly to other people who are used to field dressing animals. It's not just amazing to someone like me who does not go out, <clears throat> excuse me, and field dress. It's amazing to people who are doing this day in and day out themselves and going, wow, I, this, this is remarkable. Planes knife use, even in the combative sense. We're talking about, let's go back to combat now. We'll be talking about with Comanche knife fighting. Planes knife use is less about the tool itself. It's about the pragmatic know-how of just where to insert, where to slice, hack, tear, how to, uh, the so-called approach, grip flips, heel backs, thumb downs, twists, tucks, and all the other subtle ways of making full and complete use of a single knife. And so little of that use is reflective of the mano a mano dueling approach transported with the Toledo Steel mindset. There's very little of uh, the Philip filigrees and uh, finesse that we're used to seeing in much of our, our knife work. This is not to cast aspersions on it. This is a straight to the source, lickety split, get her done, blood be smeared, looking like wolves feeding at a buffalo when you go to work. That's the kind of knife work we are going to be featuring on these upcoming uh, volumes. Necessity, creativity, and survival forged this approach. Necessity, creativity, and survival created an astonishing font of bladed wisdom. Now, these tactics were designed to work with lesser blades and thusly work beautifully with our modern cutlery. They work even better. And it calls to mind Seneca's observation, who uh, he's talking about how we should handle material around us. Quote, he is the great man who uses the earthenware dishes as if they were silver, and he's equally great if he uses silver as if it were earthenware, unquote. So in other words, there's never any excuse. Uh, if you've got a lesser tool, if you've brought you as the mechanic, the skills, the craftsmanship to it, it's going to respond just as if it was the greatest gift and uh, blade in your hand. Plains knife work is silver-plated earthenware and well worth resurrecting. Okay, again, into that sermon, uh, but again, we really, we started with Comanche uh, ambush tactics on the most recent volume, which is available for purchase on April 1st. We're going to drop out the next one. We start talking about above-the-bone shield uh, attacks and then move from there into the use of a wonderful t uh, training tool called uh, stabbing hoops, and, and yeah, we'll be more along the line, but uh, all on that, this is... Uh, Again, we will never give any physical presentation of this away for the freebie stuff because it's it's mighty, mighty vicious. Anyway, crew, if uh, you got a mind to like, share, subscri uh, subscribe, support the podcast. Main thing is take care of yourself. Know that jokes are jokes and keep your hands to yourself. Love you guys. Take care. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>